What have we here? Welcome to the wonders of Thedas. Welcome to the Wonders of Thetis podcast, your one-stop shop for all your Dragon Age role-playing game needs. My name is Ren. Um, I'm Jessica. And I'm Logan. And we're here to talk to you about the Dragon Age tabletop role-playing game. Let's see, first of all, welcome to our first episode. Um, This episode is going to be kind of short compared to episodes that come afterwards because we want to welcome you uh, and let you know what we're about. Most of you who are probably coming here already uh, might know what a tabletop RPG is, what Dragon Age is maybe don't know what either of those is but thought this podcast sounded interesting so what we're talking about is not the video games we talk about dragon age uh we talk about it as an rpg and dragon age video games are an rpg but we're talking specifically about the tabletop role-playing game the dragon age video games have plenty of podcasts about those guys some podcasts that cover a lot of what bioware does um and while bioware had a hand in this we're talking about the tabletop role-playing game made by green ronin some, fanta- some fantastic folks uh, who put together a fantastic game, uh, spearheaded by uh, the legendary Chris Pravis. This is a... <laughs> I see that. There's a little hand over the heart there. Hand over the heart. I'm a flutter. <laughs> you are a um, flutter. Chris Pravis, thank you very much. You made an excellent game, and we'd like to share that with you guys. So, our first episode today, uh, welcome. We're going to talk about what is the Dragon Age RPG and why should you play it. So, uh, before we keep going uh, too far, let's talk about who we are. Um, and we certainly won't be the only folks showing up on this podcast, I'm sure. Um, no we have a lot of folks who are very excited to talk about Dragon Age, and we'll be bringing them on uh, bringing them on and off, and it'll be a good time. Again, my name is Ren. I'm, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'm always the GM, is, what is kind of my thing. I played a lot of Pathfinder, I've played Star Wars games, uh, Saga Edition, the D20 game, and uh, the new Fantasy Flight game. And run. I've played, and run, yes, and run at least, run one of those. <laughs> I've played Dungeons and Dragons 3-5, uh, 4th ed, 5th edition, and I've, uh, dipped my, I've dipped my hands in a couple of other uh, role-playing games. Primarily these days, I'm Pathfinder and Dragon Age. Have a home, we have a home game going. Jessica here is involved in it. We've got a couple of the friends who are in it, um, and I'm also running a Pathfinder game that Logan is a part of, and a couple other folks are joining in on. I run games a lot, and um, <laughs> do you want to talk about playstyles too? Uh, sure. Yeah. That okay. way we can talk about what we know best. Yes. So <laughs> I'm the warrior in this party. I am the guy who likes to grab the big who grab, grab the big weapons or the big shields uh, and walk into the thick of it. That is usually my playing style when I actually play games. Um, I like to try and draw enemy fire and keep uh, everybody else um, unharmed, if I can help it. <clears throat> so, that's me. I like you. I'm glad you do. Who I doesn't? Do. Wrong people. Wrong people. Mm. Maybe. They would be wrong. You know, I am Jessica. I, uh, have, I am the uh, spouse of our brave and glorious leader, Ren. I've been playing RPGs since I was about 12. I've been playing tabletop since I was about 12. And played Living Greyhawks, did uh, D&D, AD&D, did 3.0, 3.5. Played a little bit of 4, was not my cup of tea. Then 5th Ed. Started playing games when I was about, like, 8. I played uh, Betrayal at Crondor with my father. And uh, shout out to anybody who remembers those giant floppy disks, because those were the bomb. 
then Baldur's Gate when it led into Neverwinter Nights. And by the, you know, now I'm 28 and I've been playing games for way longer than I feel like I have, honestly. I'm 25, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We're talking about ages. Hi. <laughs> yeah, I'm older. What are you going to do about it? I am usually, as regards play style, I am the kind of person who, A, likes to talk a lot. So I usually play a face because I have a lot of opinions about everything. And if my character can't articulate them as well as I can, then I've got a problem. So I usually end up playing a face. But uh, the other thing that I am known for is that I really like playing healers. I'm good with just about any magic. I'm far more... I'm far more proficient with ma rules about magic and sort of how magic works in both this game and in other games. And I think usually when you, like when we start talking about things involving healers, particularly the spirit healer specialization, hmm. you will find that I have a lot to say about it. And so that will probably be the stuff that I am most comfortable talking about. Oh, also, uh, I teach for a living. So if I get kind of bossy, that's why. I'm Logan. Uh, like Jessica, I'm also a teacher, and I'm also 28 years old. Uh, it's not wrong. Um, <laughs> uh, Jessica and I have been friends since we started college together. We literally started the same class together. And she was the first person that really got me into role-playing games. Yeah. I played with them. I played them a little bit in college. I'm sorry, in high school. I played a little bit in high school, but I never really got a good group. Um, never really had a good group of friends that I meshed with to play good games. And playing with Jessica definitely opened up a whole like world of character portrayal. Uh, that's something I'm definitely very heavy on in terms of my play styles. I'm very heavy on actually role-playing. Oh, yeah. Uh, so important. I love creating character backstory. I love creating character opinions. Uh, unlike these two, my style is very heavily geared towards skills. I love playing the character that always has some trick up their sleeve. I love playing the character that always can see the solution to the problem, the elegant solution. Ren can testify that I'm always trying to fudge my way into a skill check <laughs> versus a combat role in any mm -hmm. possible situation. Well, from from experience, when you succeed, you succeed majestically. It's so. true. I mean, I, I'm I'm a huge proponent of the flavor text as as a rationale behind why your character does things. I'm huge on. The, the little things you can do to make the game more fun, that's something I'm... I, whenever I GM, and I do GM probably about half as much as I, as I play the game, uh, I'm always big on, like, sure, we can just break this rule because this would be awesome! Exactly. That's, that's, that's a good that's way to be. Rule zero. If it's cool, the rules don't matter. It's true. But, um... The role-playing games that I really am heavy in is uh, my my boyfriend is a GM for 3.5, and we've played some of the weirdest and best modules to that. To any of you who might understand what Shackled, Sh Shackled City is, shout out to you, and also, I'm so sorry. <laughs> our, all of our condolences. <laughs> all of them. But um, I, I have, my big thing is science fiction. So I have a background in both of the, the more modern Star Wars games, the Saga Edition and Fantasy Flight. I've played World of Darkness, a bunch of that, uh, Mage and Werewolf especially. 
And uh, I'm madly in love with the concept of um, Eclipse Phase, which is a newer game that you might not have heard of, but it's it, it's cool. all narrative flavor it's, text. It's cool. It's cool. It's a little wild. Um, but in terms of Dragon Age, the thing I love most is the fact that because the the system is fairly simple and straightforward, it gives you a lot of play for your character's development. And that's something that I adore. It's something that really makes it stand out from other RPGs is that every single role that you make is just as important as the one you made before it. It absolutely is. And also, for those of you that are into Dragon Age and are looking to get a group of friends together, this is a great game to start role-playing games and tabletop role-playing games. The rules are fairly straightforward and simple, and it definitely builds you up in terms of complexity. So if you hear this podcast and you think, hmm... I'd like to play this, but I don't have a group of friends that knows role-playing games very well. Don't worry. This is a great one to get them addicted with it. Yeah. It is very easy to pick up, and it's very fun to, especially once you start getting to, like, levels 12, 13, like my party is right Woo! now, starting to really, like, get the system. Because it's, it's while it is a simple system, it would be incorrect to call it a shallow one, because it does have depths to it. Um, and you can do some cool stuff with mm-hmm. it, especially once you start getting really into magic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, the mechanics are very simple, uh, and yet they are also robust. Um, the most basic mechanic of the game is, like a lot of other games, you roll dice to see whether or not you hit a number that you need to get. This game, instead of using a, 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 a twenty-sided die, or a d six, or uh, let's see, or, or yeah. what, like one d six, or one, yes, um, this one uses three six-sided dice or three d sixes as they're also referred to. Um, you will only ever really need 3d6s for this game, but you will need to get one that is of a separate color from the two, because that one is called the Dragon Die, and it is very important. We'll get into why it's important in later episodes. Um, well, the next point I'm about to make is, uh, beyond the fact, beyond the whole, um, you know, rolls um, mean a lot, um, you can use the dragon die for a lot of things, but one of the main things that you're going to use the dragon die for is one of the most exciting parts of the system is called the stunt system. I love stunts. You're, it, the stunt system is basically a, um, let's see, a kind of a, a mechanical way or an in-game way of pushing, you, pushing your character beyond what you were expecting them to do. You may have simply wanted to strike a foe, but when you um, swing your sword and you roll the dice and you generate stunt points, suddenly that simple swing of the sword knocks your opponent to the ground and leaves their weapon several yards out of their reach. Or maybe you were just trying to convince a noble to support your cause, but your words ended up being so convincing with the stunt points uh, that you brought several of his colleagues to your cause in the same sentence. Yeah. It's, um, because while the, while the rest of the system is pretty straightforward, you're rolling a die to make sure that you get a number, the stunt system kind of throws in an extra uh, element of excitement or randomness. That you're not necessarily expecting to happen. You're already doing stuff, but when you roll stunts, you get to do something plus a little extra. It's a beautiful bit of of narrative mechanic built into the rule system. Oh, yes. Which Mm -hmm. is something that is increasingly popular amongst newer role-playing games. You see a lot of that in... in, like D and D five and D D five the new uh, Star Wars and even Eclipse Phase has some great aspects to it and the new Star Wars game is heavy on it everything there is narrative they just flip the whole thing on its oh, head yes. 
And there's quite a bit of narrative to be found in Dragon Age as well. Um, a lot of the, even the, that straight um, roll 3d6s, compare uh, and see, and probably add a couple numbers of your own to see if you hit what's called the target number. There's a lot of stories to be told in that, um, that, you, that you typically use the dragon die. The dragon die, while it also helps you tell you how many stun points you get on a roll, it also determines how well you completed something. Um, which can help you get into um, new extra stories. Like if your character's trying to jump a gorge and they roll a dexterity acrobatics check um, and they roll and they succeed, um, even if they succeed, some things could go wrong. Or even if they fail, some things might go right. The GM will ask you, what was your dragon die result? And for example, if you're jumping over the gorge and you succeed on the check, but maybe you roll and you rolled like, say, a one on the dragon die out of six. The GM might say that you did manage to clear the gap, but you now have to make a climb check because you started slipping backwards. Um, if you roll, like, maybe a 2 or a 3 or a 4, then your character jumps across, uh, tumbles to the other side, and, and is uh, perhaps ends up a little ends up prone. Uh, if they roll a 5, then perhaps they stick the landing, or perhaps if they roll a 6, then your character overshot it by several yards. Yeah, my one issue with that particular aspect... The fact that level of success is determined by the dragon die alone means that those of us who are uh, maybe less than lucky in general have no way of actually achieving true success because we can't roll above a two on our dragon well, bad bad die luck helps nobody in any game, sadly. Yeah, it's just... Uh, I know that feel. I, I sat yeah. through that Pathfinder Villains campaign. I, yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Although, if, are there, we, we're going to do something with uh, alternate role suggestions, things like that, right? Yes, we'll be having a couple sections. There is one on that that I thought was very interesting, but yes. we can certainly talk about that another time. We'll have some sections later on where we'll talk about um, alternate rules, possible alternate possibilities for the rules. Stuff um, from that fabulous Fantasy Age game. Yes, some stuff from that Fantasy Age game, um, which we will also get into, uh, just to make sure that no one's confused. Dragon Age and Fantasy Age are two separate games, made by the same company. Dragon Age was the game that came first, and then Fantasy Age was the game that kind of derided off of Dragon Age. Derived. And we will Derived, thank you. What did I say? Derived. derided. Is that a bad thing? That means making fun of. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an English teacher, by the way, in case you hadn't figured oh, that out. All right, well, <laughs> derived Logan's from, just a pedant. from Dragon Age. I am just a pedant, it's fine. <laughs> we'll talk about Fantasy Age later and how it will relate to the Dragon Age game. They're both quite simpler systems. Uh, what did I just say now? I don't even know, <laughs> but just quite keep simpler, going. But I think just, we knew what you were saying. Just keep going, don't going to keep going. All right. <laughs> Train must come to a complete stop, continue. <laughs> so, we also mentioned that uh, the game... For those of you who know are thinking about about extra stuff that I'm going to need to get miniatures, maps, uh, maybe even like electronic de- electronic devices, all of those are great. But the game also works fine without any of them. You can do the whole thing in your head, and it work. And the game works fantastically and remains very very narratively focused. Maps and miniatures don't necessarily take away from that. Um, and I think we should get to one of the big points about one of the big selling points about the Dragon Age RPG is that it's about Dragon Age. <laughs> Those of you who love Dragon Age, this RPG has plenty of stuff in it that you recognize and a couple of things you will not. There are a couple of things that have only showed up in the Dragon Age universe because of the tabletop game. We'll get into a couple of those later, like sea monsters or fairies. Kind of fairies? Not really fairies. Fairies-esque. Fairies-esque. Fairies light. Fairies light. <laughs> Diet fairies. Oh boy. <laughs> um, but yes, so you get to play... This game lets you play in 
I don't know, I hope I'm not getting too grandiose, but I call it one of the great modern fantasy settings. I would totally agree with you. Absolutely. Uh, one of the great draws of Dragon Age is that it's it's taken those those classical, almost Tolkienian elements mm. of fantasy and which put must it, be in everything which really must be in everything and put it in a situation that feels as though it kind of reflects our reality in yes. a very subtle but pleasant way the, and cynical i mean it's i not, mean it's it's, it's it's i like that it's a mirror darkly like yeah we're looking we're looking at our world kind of reflected and amplified. The good things yes. are significantly better and the bad things are absolutely vile. And yes. they're definitely living... There are a lot of themes as regards sort of that dark age, lack of clarity, lack of scientific evidence, people very much relying on emotion to run politics, things like that. There's a whole very intricate, very dark world to be had in Thetis. Dragon and I age think that that... Is, uh, is a very dark fantasy. I, Sorry. I think I think that that just makes the characters, when they're heroic, shine all the more. Because with Dragon Age, you see them going through some truly terrible things. I mean, have you seen a Darkspawn? <laughs> but this setting really allows for true heroes. One of the great things about this setting, too, is that you don't have to shy away from melodrama. You don't have to. You don't have to think. Well, that just seems a little too over the top. <laughs> no, if, it doesn't. If you want to be the Lord Byron of this situation, by all means, be the the dripping, sad, romantic Victorian poet that you dream you could be. Because there's a place for you in this world. Oh yes, people like that. Absolutely. People like that show up more than once. Have you met Alistair? <laughs> Puppy King, the second. <laughs> He's Puppy, Puppy King. King Part 2. He's, he's also my husband. <laughs> <laughs> yes, depending on the save files. Um, oh, yes. Um, and an uh, important rule that I'm going to be enforcing for all GMs who plan to run this game. If it's your game, <laughs> you get to use your save file. It's true. Although, keep in mind, when literally every single one of the people in your party decided to become queen. Oh, whatever. You might want to keep keep that as just a little side note. Also, when, when the hero Ferelden is a dwarf castless. When, 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 when your spouse, whom you love dearly, uh-huh. became the queen of Ferelden and led it into a brighter age, you may want to keep that in mind for continued happiness in and out of game. My hero Ferelden was a mage. Gasp. Sucks to suck. Gasp. Gasp. I can't. I, I mean, can't make fun of you. I'm an apostate in his game. I mean. You wield supreme cosmic power, or oh, yeah. you can turn into a bear. I mean, <laughs> you know, like options. You can rain and fire and meteors from the sky, freeze your enemies, or you have the ability to turn yourself into a dire bear and crush people. It also lets you poop in the woods without people looking at you weird. It does, in fact, allow you to do that. That puts cool. Morgan in a whole new light. Oh boy! <laughs> I think we're done. Yes. Um, so, those of you who are uh, nodding along with everything we're talking about, if <laughs> why? You played, if you, uh, yes, if you played the video games uh, and you've read the novels and you've read the World of Thetis volumes, um, you're going to find plenty to love about this game. Um, everything that you love about this game, about the about the video games, about the world is you can have in the tabletop RPG and more. Um, one of the one of the things that I actually. Um, that I was musing about uh, and wondering how I could use in the home game. In the home game is that um, the Dragon Age setting 
really only details one continent, which means that there is still like a very large portion of a planet to cover, which means that for GMs and players, um, even though there is a lot of established canon and it's all fantastic and it's all wonderful to read and play and listen to, you can also make it up as you go. There's whole po- whole swaths of the world of Thetis that nobody knows anything about, which means you get to make them up. There's something worth mentioning here is if when you're considering expanding the world of Thedas, imagine that the, the continent that you're on is very much like the old world. You have fantasy Spain, and you have yes. fantasy France, and you have fantasy England with the dogs. dogs. And dogs they, love their, they love their dogs. Also uh, with us today is my plush Mabari boots. He, he keeps us in high spirits. He will, be, he will also be here on the podcast, but he will be in spirit. You will not hear him much. He... You know, because Mabaris are smart enough to speak, but wise enough not to. Also, he's made of plush. Also that. That doesn't help him. There, there's, from time to time, been a Theta setting I've considered, which is further in the future after the discovery of a new continent from Thetis, and it's basically uh, Fantasy George Washington. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, boy. Fantasy George Washington? Fantasy George Washington with magic and dwarves and elves and... Whoa, with magic man. and dwarves and elves. Fantasy. Oh, this, this is getting to zombie Lincoln levels. <laughs> That's much later. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm good I get ahead later. of myself. That get comes ahead. later. You're moving far too quickly along this storyline. You've skipped right to chapter 20. Oh. <laughs> no, Alexander Hamilton. And Aaron Burr. Now I have Alexander Hamilton stuck in my head again. Thank you so much. You, you may hear some musical references, by the way. I'm a nerd! I am also a nerd. definitely nerds And here. most importantly and unfortunately for you guys, especially Logan and I are musical theater nerds. Some of my students today were singing Alexander Hamilton all through the day, and it's been stuck in my head, and you've just made it worse. Bless. Okay, <laughs> mm, I'm fine. I'm good. Everything's we're, we're fine. All, we're all fine here. Everything's fine now. Thank you. How are you? So, um, I have, you'll hear with me, uh, is the lovely tome called The Core Rulebook, which is, you're going to be your gateway into getting into this fantastic world of <laughs> adventure and... By the way, when, when Ren and I and Jessica started this game way back when, we didn't really have a Core Rulebook, so to no, speak. No, we did not. We had a series of kits that, yes, that were... led us along. <laughs> yes, they did. Really cleverly designed, but also made it very difficult when you had a specific spell you needed to look up. And you inevitably, if you were me, picked the wrong book twice and then ended up with all three of them next to you going through the final book after going through the other two and everybody's still waiting for you to take your turn. So I guess really, the the kids are great if you have any sense of, like, recollection or organization. They're no longer for sale, however. Oh, okay. It's the print print versions. The PDF versions are still for sale. Um, Dragon Age was originally going to be a collection of four box sets that compartmentalized the rules based on how high level you were. So the first box was going to be for levels one to five. Mm-hmm. Second box was for levels six to uh, six to ten. <laughs> and then, um, but then eventually they um, the, they started. I don't want to say getting ahead of themselves, but the game started growing really fast, and they wanted to get a core rule book out. So they made, so they put the last two sets together, and made it uh, the set that covered eleven to twenty. And then after that, they released this lovely thing, uh, the Core Rulebook. So, when you can get this Core Rulebook, you can find it on Green Ronin's uh, online website. You can buy it in PDF format, uh, in print format, and they do have a special edition that you can also order that they still have in stock. Um, so, when you buy this Core Rulebook, what are you going to get? And of course, chapter one, chapter one, right out of the gate, is the character creation process. They just get you into making a character because there's no better way to learn the system really than just diving right in and giving mm-hmm. it a shot. 
And as I recall, we're totally going to have episode on basic yes. creation. Later right? we're going to have an episode about the character creation process, how it works, and uh, some uh, some tips nice. and some tricks and some uh, suggestions and all the fun that can be had in making a character. Well, let's see, most important um, rules of the game are all kept in Chapter 2. They give you all the most important rules straight out of the gate. They talk about the ability test, the core of the system. Roll 3d6s, add some numbers. Did you meet that number? You succeeded. Um, they talk about uh, different ways to use that ability test because using that in ability tests, the rules kind of expound out from the air. Um, so, when, so chapter two is going to get you all the most important um, tools in the kit in order to uh, play and run the game. There is going to be, let's see, you'll find uh, a chapter that has very solid advice. Uh, in the player, let's see, the book is kind of um, kept into a player's guide, a game master's guide, and a collection of adventures. Uh, there are three full adventures in the back of the in the back of the book for you to run. Uh, the first one's for brand new characters, mm-hmm. so you can get so you can you guys can make some characters and just get started right away. If you want to start a little later, or if you've got a, a ongoing campaign and want to throw in a visit to the Grand Tourney. Uh, there's an Which advent- we just did. Yes, there's an adventure that is originally written for levels 6 to 7, 6 to 8, I think, maybe 5 to 7. Um, I had adjusted because my players were level 10 by the time they went there. Hmm. Um, and then, of course, the, there's another adventure that involves mass combat and um, takes place around a level levels 11 to 13. So you've got lots of material to work with to just grab the game and start moving uh, and give it a shot. Chapter 6 is going to talk to the player about uh, the advanced role-playing. It's going to give you, not necessarily how to role-play, but give you lots of good advice on how, a very lots of very solid advice on how to portray your character, how to work with the GM to make sure everything's going smoothly, um, how to plan with your fellow players so that you guys can tell the best story possible. It talks about a couple rules, things like how to write good goals for your character, which is something we'll also talk about in a later episode. It's going to talk about. It talks about uh, running realms and organizations, which we'll also talk about in a later episode. Um, yes. This, I think, this is absolutely an invaluable chapter. Like, it's oh, yes. super useful, especially for the people we were talking about earlier who maybe want to get into role playing games and have a whole group that wants to get into them but has very little experience with role playing. This will give you a this, jump start. Yeah, this chapter would be and is a very very strong way to start. Where uh, it's going to give you some very clear advice on what to do to roleplay, and a couple of ideas of what kind of people or uh, characteristics can happen mm-hmm. that can cause some problems. So yes, it'll it'll and everybody's got at least one of those uh, problem types waiting within them to strike. So knowing what oh, yeah. the uh, don'ts are really really can help to make sure that your first experiences as a roleplaying group are positive ones. It's got a lot of advice that you can carry over to other role-playing games. So all those other games that we're talking about, in addition to Dragon Age, you can use that stuff. For the players as well, Chapter 7 is going is a huge chapter that is chock-full of lore from the Dragon Age setting. Jumping right in, you can just, you can, if you, even if you skim it, it talks about all the major nations, uh, the major peoples, how they all, how they all work, uh, their histories, and can give you plenty, give uh, players and GMs lots of jumping-off points on how to make their characters. Uh, and make their adventures. There are uh, see this about um, almost the second half of the book is the game master's guide. It will tell folks how to run games. It is six chapters long. It has advice, plenty of advice for how to run Dragon Age RPG specifically, but also a lot of advice on how to run games mm-hmm. in any kind of RPG. Problem players that you're going to deal with, and when yeah, and, how, and how you can and how you can work with them. Yes, they definitely show up. It'll talk about how about great about great. Um, uh, habits to get into, prepare to run a game. 
and of course remind you that, that it's an incredibly rewarding job and and we and we thank you for uh, taking up the very important mantle of being a game master um, mm-hmm. you will find a lot of very good solid advice in this core book that later oh yes we'll definitely be talking about that later we'll be talking about how to play we'll be talking about how the game is played and some uh, things to keep in mind and uh, plans to make we're gonna have a really cool podcast here guys and we're really glad mm-hmm. that you could join us for this uh, adventure that we're all going on yes oh and so where could they possibly purchase these uh fine tomes if they desired to do so you can find them on green ronin's website if you greenronin.com or uh you can find their online store uh you can buy it in hardback pdf or in special edition in their in their store you're also going to find the pdf versions of the three box sets that they originally released a book that has three more adventures for you to run and plenty of uh adventure um seeds that you can just kind of go wherever you want with that also contains uh, two PDFs, part of the uh, Faces of Thetis series, talking about Talus and Varric from the Dragon Age video games. And they'll also have uh, a couple of ones that are for a more generic um, age system, kind of uh, age system, which is stuff you could put in the Dragon Age RPG. You might have to think a little harder about it. But still, very useful tools with uh, extra monster stat blocks and understanding and new ways to use uh, monsters and new ways for players to play. There's a lot of cool stuff to grab onto at the Green Ronin store. You should check them out. You definitely should. Oh, also, don't forget that you can order them uh, through your FLGS, I believe, if you're FLGS. Oh, yes, please do. If you have a friendly local gaming store, FLGS, Mm -hmm. um, that you frequent, uh, please order it through them. They, of course, will get a small cut. We love our FLGSs, and we like to keep them, have, to have them supported and keep them afloat. Mm-hmm. They're they help special. Mm-hmm. If any of you are particularly fond of local businesses, almost every FLGS out there is a local business and well worth your time and interest. Mm-hmm. Also, on a completely unrelated topic, if any of you ever happen to be in the Bloomington, Indiana area, hmm. there are a few very excellent stores that you would not be, uh, you would be remiss to miss. Indeed. All right, so thank you everybody for joining us on the Wonders of Thetis podcast. This is Ren wishing lots of sixes on that dragon die. Have a good day. Um, well, I don't have an outro. I didn't even know we had homework to do an outro. We'll figure it out as we go. I have not, have good a good day. It's not going to be my personal outro, but c'est la vie. C'est la guerre. That's war? Yes, it is. That's war. Right, well, have a good one, everyone. We'll see you next time. I think I have a joke for you, my fine dwarven friend. Just don't expect me to laugh. Based on something I found online, please try this recipe I made using a predictive text imitator in the American Woman's Cookbook, 1938. (laughs) Greased casserole with slices of lemon juice. One egg. One cup cold-boiled frosting. One teaspoon chopped olives or mayonnaise. Two sprigs of bread. Two pounds of cake. (laughs) Two cups boiling milk. (laughs) One sour and large fish. (laughs) One pint of very cold meat. (laughs) Pint. One quart of standard... (laughs) One quart of standard formula brown sauce. (laughs) Four slices of hot food. (laughs) Ha ha ha!
taste. You lost me at sprig of bread. Put a small quantity of bread or butter in a slow fire. Add the milk. Add one inch of sugar or one pint of cream. Add the other ingredients. Except the electrician. Spread hot milk over the fire until it begins to spin and boil. Add a dash of red water. Red water. The water... I can't breathe. The water is often accompanied by some sort of uncolored lemon or orange or canned lobster or canned fish. Or canned milk or three eggs. Oh my god. In deep, in, in deep enough water, the eggs are usually called the cr- <laughs> be sure the milk be sure to milk the eggs until they turn into fish, fish mixture <laughs> the mixture is quite soft but not so <laughs> the mixture is quite soft but not so oily that it destroys most people unacquainted with mayonnaise <laughs> When you want to be attract, when you want to be very attractive, but if you prefer your guests hungry, you will not allow them to use the meat. <laughs> the top of each person, if desired, is usually called the hot flat, the hot fat flour cup. <laughs> Wash a few slices of lemon juice and pour all of them into deep narrow gashes in the bottom of your hands for thirty hours. <laughs> before placing a white fish in the center of the center of the. An important French mustard. <laughs> I need you to stop. I can't live. I need to breathe. I don't have enough oxygen. Oh God, shut your mouth. Be filled <laughs> with bread or toast or a combination of these two extremes. <laughs> In an opportunity thick enough to taste, pour custard over each person who cannot drink your refrigerator. <laughs> Try to drink the refrigerator. <laughs> you can try and drink the refrigerator. <laughs> Bread or toast. Or a combination <laughs> of these two extremes. These two extremes. <laughs> I... Oh, God. Uh, a computer created this joke. We don't need comedians anymore. Do we know who made that or found it? I don't even know. It's been floating around the internet. I think uh, it's Jamie Brew. Uh, well, if any readers happen to hear this, readers, listeners happen to hear this and know what we're talking about and can help us give credit, that would be cool. Like, comment, and subscribe. <laughs> like, for, comment, subscribe. For toast and bread and anywhere between those two extremes. <laughs> and don't try to drink the refrigerator. Don't please, actually do please it. Please don't. This podcast does not advocate drinking of refrigerators. Oh. <gasps>